I'm excited to be here this morning. As Pastor, or as uh, Mr. Jim mentioned, we do miss Pastor, don't we? Uh, but we are glad that he's in Colorado with his family. He's getting to see his grandkids for the first time in almost a year. I know that's hard on him, so, but we're excited for him uh, doing that. I do want to take a, a, a minute before I uh, get into the message just to brag on our youth a little bit, because I can do that. Um, we have some pretty good youth here at TFA, right? right? I mean, come on. I think we have the best youth here. Um, and I love working with them week in and week out in the youth room and seeing them grow, but also seeing the passion they have. And they have a passion for God. And, I, you know, it's evident in, in the things they do uh, in their schools and their families. And, uh, man, I'm just so excited about this year. I'm excited about what God did last year in 2018. And uh, if you don't know what he's been doing, just ask some of these youth uh, what's been going on. But I'm also very, very, very excited for 2019 and the opportunity to, to accomplish what God has for us and uh, to be obedient to his word and, and, and to see our schools reach for Jesus Christ. And there is Jesus is being preached in our schools. And it's, uh, it's through our students. And uh, God willing, we're going to see a revival take place. So get ready for that this semester. Um, even in the elementary schools, in the colleges, all around with teachers. We're just excited about this year. I also want to say that uh, if you have never accepted Christ into your life, uh, if you've never made that commitment, I'm going to give you the opportunity at the end of this message to do that. And if you have, and if you're living for him, uh, I just want to encourage you right now, if you haven't already, to ask the Holy Spirit to work in your life today. Because I believe he does have something for us, and I believe he wants to move here. And so in your heart, allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you. I want to speak uh, on the message today that I titled, A Provocative Passion. Provocative Passion. Provocative has a couple definitions. Two of its main definitions. Uh, one of the main definitions is, uh, if you call somebody provocative, that means that uh, they are intended to cause sexual desire. They're a provocative person. But provocative could also mean causing thought about an interesting subject. It provokes you to think. I'll be using both of these definitions today with this story. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 7. The Gospel of Luke chapter 7. We'll pretty much be there all morning. Uh, I may have one other scripture outside of that. But Luke chapter 7, uh, I read from different versions, depending uh, today I'll be reading from the NIV, so if you have an NIV, uh, or if you have your digital Bible, you can click on the NIV and follow along with me. Um, but we'll be in Luke chapter 7, starting with verse 36. If you don't have any of that, you can look at the screen, it should be on there. So Let's read. Luke 7, starting with verse 36. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now let me stop there. This word reclined is not a word that we use nowadays because we don't recline at the table. We sit at the table. But back in Jesus' time, I, I want you to get this picture of some people sitting around the table, not sitting, but on a couch-like furniture. They are laying on their side with their feet extended outward. So, you know, they'll be kind of facing the table, feet outward, kind of on their side. It's kind of a, that's why they call it reclining at the table. And that's going to be important in this story. Verse 37. 
A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there and with an alabaster jar of perfume. 38, as, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. Let's stop again. I'm not a foot person. I don't like feet. If you talk to my wife, she makes fun of my feet because she calls them, and I will quote, janky, okay? Um, I don't, I have no desire to get a pedicure. I would be okay with never getting a pedicure in my life. I mean, I just, I don't like people touching my feet. I don't like touching other people's feet. I just, I just don't see the need in that, okay? I don't wear sandals very often. You almost always see me wearing closed-toed shoes for that reason. But, and I think about this story in Jesus' time. You know, they walked around in sandals. They walked around in the dirt. And here she is touching the feet of Jesus, who we will find out later have not been washed. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he, uh, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. But Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owe money to a certain moneylender. One owed uh, 500, I'm going to say this word, it's pronounced different ways. It's denarii, denarii, or uh, denarii, I think. But I'm going to say denarii, okay? 500 denarii. All you need to know about that, 500 is about a year and a half's wages. Let's just call it $75,000, okay? Something like that. Owed a moneylender about that much money, and the other about two months' wages, 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debt of both. Now, which one do you think loved him more, Jesus said? Simon, the Pharisee, said, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests said among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray over the word this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for your word. Your word is true. So God, I pray this morning that you would captivate our hearts through this story to be changed for your glory. God, give us a passion just like this woman had in Scripture. Let us be changed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lacey and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, as a matter of fact, we started dating when, uh, right after I turned 16. And um, I had never had a girlfriend more than three weeks. And by the way... All my girlfriends dumped me. <laughs> so thanks for staying with me. Um, 
But uh, so you can imagine, I'm 16 years old. I've never really dated more than a couple weeks. I had no idea how this boyfriend-girlfriend thing worked, but I knew that on her birthday, it needed to be something special. So I didn't know what to buy girls. I was kind of scared of girls still at the time. Um, And so I went to the person who I thought could help me the most, my sister. And being a young man with a job, uh, making about $100 a week, I could save my money pretty well. Um, so I had about $300 or, and, um, to spend. And my sister, I, she took me to the mall. And I said, hey, can you help me? She's like, how much you got? I was like, well, I got $300. She's like, oh, all right. <laughs> I didn't mean like to spend $300, but that's how much I had. We spent $300. <laughs> my sister, she got, we got clothes. We got perfume. We got lotions. Um, I can't even, we got jewelry. I didn't even know what was good. She's like, what's she like? I was like, I don't know. That looks good. Okay, let's get that. And so I put it all in different packages, and I, you know, I wrapped it, and I hid it around her house when she wasn't there, with her parents there. And um, I sent her on a scavenger hunt. And when she, when she got home, I was like, hey, take this. And it got clues, and she's getting all these packages, and she's opening all. I saved the best one for last. I don't remember. I think it was some kind of jewelry or something. Do you even remember this? A purse? She remembers. I didn't remember. So I got her a purse, and... Um, and I was so excited, and um, you know, she was so excited. And I was like, that was it. I gave everything I had in, you know, on her birthday. And I was like, man, how am I going to one-up this next year? I, I, I thought about it afterwards. I was like, is that what you're supposed to do, is like one-up every time? But I can remember throughout dating, before we got married, we used to make trips to Mobile, which is about an hour away from where we lived. And our town didn't really have much, so we'd go bowling, or we would go putt-putt golf, we'd watch a movie, we'd go out to eat, we'd get ice cream, the works, you know, and I, like I said, I had the money to spend, so um, I wasn't spending on anything else, so I, I gave, and I, I was thoughtful, I thought ahead, it was a passion for this person I was dating, then we got married, <laughs> then we had kids, and uh, as you can imagine, busyness, selfishness, sometimes disagreements. I know Lacey looks sweet. She's beautiful. She's sweet. She is. Can you believe that I disagree with her sometimes? We have our arguments too. But you know, if I'm not careful, we can be in the same room and I can be with her, but I may not be present. I might be on my phone, might be distracted, may not show her the attention that I once had. But what happens? Do I not love her anymore? No. But my question is, where is the passion gone? Sometimes in a relationship, you need a focus to put you back where your passion should be. And, you know, your passion will diminish from time to time. But we need to be redirected. I wonder how many times we come into the presence of God, but we're not present. And how does he feel This year, Pastor Lynn has challenged us to fast. And I love one of the things he said last week. He said, we fast, he encouraged us to fast, not because the Bible tells us to necessarily, although that's good, not because it's, you know, to lose weight or anything, but to try to get closer to God. That's why we fast. That's the motivation behind why we fast is because we want to be closer to him. We want a greater passion with him. And so this last week, I hope you did. I'm not going to get you to raise your hand or anything. But I hope that you took the time to set aside a fast for the Lord. This is a good, um, you husbands and you wives, if you haven't done anything for your wife or husband lately, 
Now's the time to start thinking, all right? Think about something. What's something special you can do? That's free. What's something special you can do to renew that passion with your spouse? Let's get into uh, the message. Uh, the first thing I want to point out about the scripture here, if you look at Luke chapter 7, 30, 37 through 39, we see a provocative woman. A provocative woman. She is not accepted in her community. She was uninvited to the house. This is a holy man's house and a holy dinner. Probably the Pharisee, Simon, was trying to figure out if Jesus was who everybody is saying he is. Was he a prophet? Was he, did he line up with the, 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 um, the attributes of being the Messiah? I can, uh, this, is, this is me speculating here. But I can imagine that's why he initially invited him. But this woman heard about Jesus. And let me set this scene up for you. This woman of the night shows up uninvited, and she becomes overcome with emotion, so much so that she is crying tears enough to be used as a cleaning agent for the feet of Jesus. There is no indication that Jesus even looks at her until later on. He's reclining at the table, like I said, his feet's behind him. This is like kind of the awkward part here in the story. Like, she's weeping. She's cleaning his feet. Um, she is pouring perfume on him, and he's like, hey, uh, Peter, can you pass the hummus? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like he doesn't even, like, acknowledge what's happening. And meanwhile, the rest of the room is in shock that this woman would come into this house at this time, and a sinner would be touching Jesus. There's two times in this passage that this woman is referred to as a sinner or sinful. She had a reputation. You know anybody with a um, nickname? I had a, uh, uh, there was a guy, you're thinking of somebody? There was a guy that um, I grew up with, his name was Vito. Uh, based off of some TV show where a guy named Vito, he kind of looked like him, whatever. So we called him Vito. Nobody knew what his real name was. I mean, a couple of us did, but his mom called him Vito. All his friends called him Vito. He put Vito on everything at school. So like, nobody knew his name was Robin. And um, <laughs> just a couple of us. Um, but it brought me back to um, this last week. I think it was last week, whenever the championship game was. Yeah. I know, sore subject. I know. But um, I'm with the Coddles. They took me uh, to watch it, and we're in the car. And the question comes up, is Dabo his real name? Dabo Sweeney? Is that, is that his real name? Did his mom name him Dabo? And we're, like, talking about it for a minute. It's like, wait, we have Google. <laughs> Let's Google it. Well, apparently it's not. All right, everybody calls him Dabo. Um, Dabo is actually an abbreviation that's short for Dat Boy. <laughs> Dat Boy became Dabo. His real name is William Christopher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what kind of name is that, right? No, that's a good name. That's like a, that's like a presidential name or something. William Christopher. But anyways, you see what I'm saying, though? When somebody gets stuck with a title or with a name, it sticks with them a lot of times. This woman was known in the town. She was known to be a sinner. And so Simon, as she comes in the door, and she's probably dressed the way she's normally dressed, is thinking to himself these thoughts. If Jesus were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. Before you judge Simon, think about it yourself. What if this woman had showed up to your party? <laughs> what would you do? Would you think the same thing? 
I mean, would you really be like, oh, stranger off the street that everybody knows, uh, provocative woman, just come on in and, you know, ruin this dinner that I'm trying to have with Jesus? <laughs> Probably not. But we, like Simon, oftentimes put people in categories. We tend to categorize people in our heart and even in our mind, and that is not from God. That is what sabotages our passion for Jesus. And let me explain that. Simon put this woman in a lower category. And by doing that, he put himself in a higher category. When we put ourselves in a higher category, that diminishes our need for a Savior. And so I ask you, you know, nobody really walks around saying, I'm better than you. I go to church more than you. I read my Bible more than you. I pray more than you. I smell better than you. <laughs> Nobody says that. But what are you thinking when you walk into Walmart on Skyline? And you see those people. Or what if somebody comes in this church and they're a new Christian and they're not behaving like a Christian should act? Do we put ourselves above those people? Without really knowing it, we are setting ourselves up to trust ourselves instead of God. This woman knew exactly what category she was in, and she was forced to own it. Who needs a savior? The lost and those who are in sin. We're all lost, we're all broken, but when our behavior improves, we take credit for what God has done. And that is counterproductive to the gospel. Jesus asked this question number two. The second thing I want to point out in uh, Luke chapter 7, and if you're looking at verses 40 through 43, he asks a provocative question, something that makes you think. Jesus asked, now which of them will love him more? And in verse 43, Simon asked, I suppose, didn't really want to answer, I suppose the one who had been, uh, the, the bigger debt had been forgiven. Let me tell you something, and I hope you remember this. God loves very, very bad people very, very much. With Jesus, most of his problems weren't with bad people. It was the people who didn't think they were bad. When people came to Jesus and let it all hang out there and said, hey, I'm a sinner, this is who I am, he was like, okay, I can work with that. And you see these people changed. But God loves very, very bad people very, very much. And when I said that, did you think of somebody else? That's part of the problem. What's your story? Aren't we proof that God loves bad people a lot? If we feel like we haven't been forgiven much, we may feel like we're pretty good along the way. That is exactly what's draining our passion for God. Now, I'm not suggesting... Go around being like, hey, I'm the worst. <laughs> can't fix me. I'm a train wreck. I'm a nightmare. You can't go around like putting yourself down. But if we walk around like we're the righteous ones, like we made ourselves righteous, we can't do that. We are not righteous, not even on our own, not even a half of a percent. This woman had zero trust in herself to save herself. And that is exactly why she was able to worship Jesus the way that she was. My last point, number three, 
I notice in this story in Luke chapter 7, verses 44 through 50, a provocative, as the message is, a provocative passion. There's some stories in Scripture when you read it, and I hope you don't just skim past it, but I hope when you read it, it really makes, it provokes you to think about almost how unrealistic the story is. Jesus goes, and I love this, Jesus goes in verse 44 from looking at Simon and talking, asking the question, to finally acknowledging the woman, if you read there in 44. But he's still talking to Simon. (laughs) It's hilarious to me. I don't know. All right. Let's read it. Verse 44 through 50. He turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her sins have been forgiven as as her love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Now, a thing you need to know back then, we don't do this anymore. Does anybody wash your feet when you come in the house? No, right? There's a couple things I want to point out in this passage. It was common for, especially for honored guests, for them to wash their feet. Why? Because like I said earlier, they're reclining on a couch. (laughs) Most of you don't like people with cleaner shoes to walk in your house in their shoes or even put their feet on your furniture, right? Well, this is kind of the same principle. You didn't want dirty feet all over your house, so they would wash their feet. They would also, uh, when a rabbi especially entered a room, they would uh, honor them with a kiss. Simon didn't even do that. A little more uncommon, but not so uncommon, is for honored people and respected people. They would give the, the guests oil to put on their face as they had probably been outside all day. It would be refreshing. And not only would it be refreshing, but before they ate, it would be a sweet aroma as they ate. And so... We can see that none of these things happen. I have a table here. I'm going to attempt to do a something. I know you may not can see what's on the table. That's not important yet. So, uh, but I have a couple bowls here. And um, I have a $1 bill here that is also soaking wet. Now, I have a lighter. It works. Okay, good. This $1 bill has been soaking. What's going to happen if I try to to light it? Okay, can you see that? Nothing is lighting there because it's soaked with water. It can't light. I use the $1 bill because a lot of times if you don't feel God's presence, if you don't have a passion for God, it's because we're thinking about ourselves. It's because we're focused on our own, how can we live a better life? You know, we're, we're thinking about, uh, we're, we get into the routine of church. We get into the routine of, 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 of sending our kids to Sunday school or whatever. We may, we may read the Bible, but the passion just isn't there. There's nothing that can ignite or light us. But what happens when we get excited about getting into God's presence? What happens when we come into worship knowing the person that we worship and why we worship? You see, now I got a $10 bill. That's because I think you guys are 10 as an audience, as a church. 
But see, God wants to, when we've been soaking in his presence, ignite us. Ignite us. There we go. Ignite a passion within us. And see, what'd you notice? The flame went out. So guess what we got to do? Get back soaking. Soaking in the presence of God. See, some of you have been in here and you say, man, I haven't felt God's presence. Well, have you been in God's presence? You want a passion for God? You want a passion for souls? You want a passion for God to use you? You got to get there so that the Holy Spirit, when he lights you, you're ready to burn. You're ready to do something. Well, okay. (laughs) Hey. You know. In the youth building, it's not so bad when I light stuff on fire. Okay. Let me get away from that. <laughs> this woman, and the, the worship team can come up. This woman pours an alabaster bought, uh, jar of perfume on the feet of Jesus. This perfume, as you can imagine, I told you she was a prostitute earlier, was key to her occupation. If a prostitute doesn't smell good, that can hurt her business. But she takes her livelihood and her potential income, and she burns the bridge to it. Why? Was it because these holy men pointed out that she was a sinner? That she was sinful? No. It's because she heard about the the person and the goodness of Jesus. You see, it's while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. She gave her best. So my question to you this morning is, are you giving God your best? We may not all can run around the room. We may not all can hang from the chandeliers like they typically thought we did as Pentecostals handle snakes, whatever. You may not can do that, but every single person in this room can give God your best. You can give it from your heart because I I don't know about you, but I'm tired of sometimes going through seasons where I just go through the motions. And going to church has just become a routine. And I don't feel God. Let me tell you something. God wants, beginning of 2019, he's trying to ignite a passion inside of us. He's trying to ignite us getting deeper into his presence. I love that I didn't tell them what songs to pick except for uh, one of them. At the very end, they haven't played it yet. But man, it went right along. I love into the deep. I will go with you. Submerge me, God. Submerge me. I want to be in your presence. And we need that. We need somebody to, to ignite sometimes, to refocus our, our eyes on Jesus, because sometimes we get distracted. We get, we, you know, we get our eyes and our hearts on things of this world, and sometimes when things aren't going our way, it can be hard to worship him with everything. But let me tell you, when a provoking story like this, a woman comes and she gives everything she has, and she gives her passion, and it messed up the room. Let me tell you something. That provokes me to do more. 
and to give more to our Lord and Savior who deserves it all. Because if not, then I am living in my own righteousness, which is counter to the gospel, because he is the one that makes me righteous. Would you stand with me? I intentionally left time at the end of the service. I didn't want to take the full time because I wanted to end today in worship. And if everybody would just bow your head with me for a minute and close your eyes, I do want to ask this question. I told you I would at the beginning. With nobody looking around this room, maybe you came into this room and you don't know this Jesus. Maybe you've never given your heart to him, or maybe you did at one time, but you know you're not living for him. Now you can make the very best decision you've ever made in your life, the first step to following him. You can start today. If you're here in this room and that's you, you say, Pastor Brad, that's me. I want to start a relationship with him, or maybe I've been living for him, and I want to restart my relationship. Can I just see your hand with nobody looking around? I'm just looking for people who, who say, you know what, that's me. Would you pray for me? Amen. Anybody else? Everybody can look up. As we end in worship today, I know some of you may not be able to, to make it up here, and you don't have to come up here, but I'm going to invite you, if you would like to, to join me up here at the altar. As we end in worship tonight, and as, as, as we're singing these songs, these aren't just songs that are coming, you know, that we're singing with our lips. These are songs that I pray today that TFA would sing with our heart. And that there would be no other distraction. We're not worried about the great lunch that we're going to have in just a little bit. We're not worried about some bills we have to pay or any football games later today. But now is the time to focus in on Jesus. And would you give him your best? Whatever that means, your best. If you want to come, you can come now. We're going to uh, end today in worship. One of us will come up and dismiss in just a little while. But I just want to invite you to spend some time in his presence.
Lord, I give 2019 to you. I give myself to you. I give Brenda and I offer ourselves as living sacrifices to you, Lord, and that this year belongs to you.